similarly to you, like we'd had the same conversation, like every six months, like we'd have this conversation. It would be, you know, five or six hours long. There'd be a lot of crying and a lot of like new, like new stuff would come out or new revelations and agreements and okay, yes, we're committed to this. And, you know, action would be taken for like a month or two. And then it would slowly, slowly start to get back to where it was before. And then, you know, the pendulum would swing the other way and we would start to distance ourselves and have resentment and the little fights would turn into bigger fights. And then we would have a big blow up. Right. Yep. And so after doing that for two years in the midst of that, I knew for me that it was time or that we were getting closer to the end when I started to imagine my life without him in it. Welcome to Amplify. We are here to help you own your truth, use your voice, and stand out as the most unapologetically aligned, abundant, and authentic version of you so that you can make a big impact in the world doing what sets your soul on fire. Because you and I, we are meant to stand the F out. I'm your host, Lauren Salon, and I'm a public relations and marketing expert, entrepreneur, speaker, former on-air entertainment host and past professional fitness competitor and health coach. And several times per week, I'll be bringing you epic guest conversations and solo episodes along with the tools, tricks, and tips that you need in order to step into your power, own your purpose, and stand out in the world as the most vibrant version of you. Because I believe that the more you you are in the world, the more successful and fulfilled you will be. So what do you say? Are you ready? Let's get amplified because blending in is bullshit. What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Amplify. Today we've got a fun one for you. I sit down with one of my besties, Melissa Martin, who has similarly gone through a divorce in the last couple years, become single again, re-entered the dating world, all that kind of stuff. And we are answering tons of your questions. We pulled you guys on Instagram and we are answering tons of your questions about dating, love, sex, relationships, divorce, marriage, all kinds of stuff. This is such an incredible episode. Thank you everybody for submitting these amazing questions. Hope you enjoy it. What are the three qualities you look for in a man? Mm. Oh, I've, I've got way more than three. I mean, if I had to pick, well, number one is, uh, integrity. Like you have to, yes. well, okay. I wanted to, this is interesting. I actually had this conversation with somebody, a man who showed me his values and he had honesty and integrity. I'm like, what's the difference? Yeah. And so I retract my statement of integrity and I say <laughs> honesty because this is how he positioned it. And I thought it was fascinating. Honesty is being truthful integrity is being who I say I am. So being who I am, if I am not an honest person and I lie, Uh, then I am in integrity because that is who I am. Yes. yes, So when I say integrity, what I really mean is a man who is honest and true to his word and is who he says he is. So that would be like, yes, yes. Honesty. Um, That's, that's definitely one on my list for sure. Yeah. Um, gosh, there are so many, like, I love a man who is a natural leader. Leader. So like in his power, in his divine masculine, like a natural alpha, 
Um, I love that. Um, what other, like there's so many things for me. I mean, I love mm. a man who is generous, kind, funny, mm. um, dr- ambition and drive. And I'm going to say success because yeah. I want to see that you can create results in your life. Yeah. You know, so, but there's like so many things. There's so many. I can't yeah. pick just three. Honesty is definitely number one for me because it creates a container of safety, right? Like I need to feel safe. So I think number one would be a man who is honest and is who he like to his word, like shows like his actions and his words align. So congruent, um, definitely somebody who is generous and giving mm-hmm. and, um, very nurturing. Like I love a man who's like very wanting to like, is a caretaker. Right. But, and like, to your point is also very driven career focused, like a type, like motivated alpha and alpha doesn't mean like he's cocky. Like I want people to understand that like the alpha man in the room is not telling you that he's an alpha, like (laughs) no alpha man is like, I'm an alpha. Like he doesn't need to say it. He's just confident in who he is. Self-assured. Yeah. Powerful energy. Yeah. And then compassion, definitely somebody who's kind and compassionate. Um, especially when, you know, other people aren't looking like Mm -hmm. it. I love when people are, uh, especially a man is just as kind and respectful to the person who's cleaning our house as he is to the person who is like his large client, you know, like those things matter to me as well. Yes. To you, next question. What is the most important quality of a guy in the bedroom? I, this Mm -hmm. one, same thing would for me, not same thing, but this one for me very easily summed up as divine masculine alpha dominant yeah same strong powerful energy i more recently um am leaning into this dynamic of like dominant versus submissive and i know we'll probably get into like the bdsm conversation and all that stuff um but for me what i'm coming to find is that i in the bedroom i do want a man that's going to lead that's going to take charge that's going to ask questions that's going to make me feel safe that's going to basically like take charge of the experience. But the reason that he's taking charge of the experience isn't because it's about him. It's about me. And really like his pleasure is derived from me feeling pleasure in my body. Yeah. (laughs) The next question, speaking of, which is, we know that this one was a joke question from the, whoever submitted it, but we're going to answer it anyway, because you know what we said, nothing was off limits. What are your thoughts on butt plugs and BDSM? Um, I mean, I've, I've spoken about this a little bit on certain podcast episodes and stuff like that. So like on my show, if you listen, well, actually, did I talk about this? So my episode with John, with John Romanello, yeah. I probably talked about this a bit, but yeah. I know I've talked about it in other people's shows as well. And we'll obviously speak about it more on my own, but like, I mean, butt plugs, I'm all right. Yes. Uh, BDSM is also very much a yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I think for that for I'm, this is a newer sort of area for me. Like my, my sex life before this wasn't really something that was rooted in safety and exploration where it felt comfortable for me to explore. I had a lot of shame around my body and sexuality, and I never had partners that were in that alpha energy that made me feel safe to be able to explore this until recently. So I was dating a man who was definitely a lot more dominant, a lot more exploratory, a lot more open and helped me to like lean into that a little bit more and create experiences for me where I could explore this. And I'm like, okay, I like this. I'm curious about it. And obviously lots of conversations with you. And like, I think having these types of conversations with girlfriends, like 
normalizes stuff, yeah. right? Whereas like a year ago, like any butt stuff was a hard no for me. Where now I'm like, well, why is it a hard no? Yeah. And it's really my own insecurities around my body or shame or things like that, or not being in a relationship with a partner who, who felt secure in that. So like the partners that I was with maybe also felt some insecurity and some shame because they weren't fully in their masculine mm. because they were, you know, not, um, meet like they weren't men that I wasn't attracting the type of men who were in that leader energy. Yeah. Right. So for me personally, um, I'm open to it. BDSM is, is not, I wouldn't identify myself as someone who enjoys full scale kink. Um, but I do like some aspects of kinky sex and I haven't well, used a spectrum. It's a spectrum, yeah. right? I haven't used butt plugs yet. Um, but I'm definitely exploring that. Um, and I actually talk about that on my episode with John, where we, we yeah. talk more about anal and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just another yeah. aspect or layer that I'm exploring and I'm, I'm open to it. So thank you for helping me through that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Lauren, you'd be so proud. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh boy. Um, next question. Why do so many women not care about having so many partners before marriage in today's society? Um, I think like, as you know, we've expanded collectively expanded our understanding of like gender roles and stuff like that. And like equality and everything, like realize like one, like women, it's women have strong sexual appetites as well. It's not just like a male thing. And there's not, it's not like men are only allowed to have multiple partners and stuff like that. And so I think there's been a lot of, um, destigmatization around having multiple partners, um, for women. And so it's like less taboo, if you will, and less shame around it. It's so interesting because when you look at indigenous tribes and cultures, right? Like it wasn't about monogamy. It was about what was the best interest for the tribe. So like, if I'm fertile and we need to have children, like who is the best suitable partner for me to procreate with. Right. And then you start bringing religion into it and dowries and control. And like women's virginity was the gift they had to give to their, to their men. Right. So if, if, you know, when you think back to like, I don't even know when, what time, like women, have been burned at the stake for expressing their sexuality and like we've been controlled and so many things. So now you have a situation where arranged marriages are done to bring two families together. It's a business deal, right? What's going to, what's going to make the, the families stronger. And the woman that's being gifted has to be a virgin. And if she's not, she's considered tainted good. So it's really, it's a business transaction, right? So like all of this, the, even this question really in general is heavily rooted in like very old patriarch way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. And women through Disney movies and, and, you know, pop culture and media have been, um, brainwashed into thinking that having a lot of sex means that you're dirty or you're not worthy or you're tainted goods. But in reality, like I think as a man, And I know for me, like I, I would love the fact that my man is incredibly experienced in the bedroom. That means he's had a lot of partners. And so from a guy's perspective, like, wouldn't it be amazing, right. Or a lot of sex, right. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a woman who's fully embodied and comfortable in her body and open to going to those depths with you because she's had a lot of sex, Yeah. right? Like, yeah. Cause if, if from the man's perspective or, or anybody, if you're, if your partner's 
number of partners makes you uncomfortable. That's like your own insecurity. That's your own insecurity, right? It doesn't mean that you're dirty. Like it has, like it's, yeah, there's just so much shame around it. And I think it's stupid. (laughs) Well, and we have another question that's similar to that. So I'm going to jump out of order for a second. But so this one, how many guys can a girl have and not be considered a thought with no class? Again, I think as no many number. as you fucking want. Right. The, the difference for me, how I would look at this is the, the energy behind that's behind it. it and how ethical you're being and how um, honest and, and communicative and all that kind of stuff you're being. Because if you are, again, if you're um, dating multiple people, sleeping with multiple people and you're lying about it, you're, you're being unsafe and stuff mm. like that, that is a problem, I yeah. think. But it's not about the number. I think it's about how you're going about doing it. If you're being safe, if you're being respectful, if you're communicating clearly with with people and all that, like there's no number, right? Right. That you cross and then it's like, "Uh oh, you a slut. Right. I remember like last summer. No, was it last summer or the summer before? Last summer, we went to um, Sedona together and I did this breathwork experience um, and I've been dealing with like, I've been dealing with like a lot of like sexual trauma and just like shame and like issues with my digestive system. And I did this breathwork ceremony where I released all the past partners I had been with. Like I'd been holding on to all of their energy. And I realized that I had a list. Like I kept a fucking body count list wow. and I got rid of it. And now I'm like, I couldn't even tell you how many people I've been with. Cause I don't know. Cause it doesn't matter. I could like, probably like figure it out, but I'd have, no I have like, a ballpark, like, but like, yeah. who fucking cares? Like, yeah. why is that even important? Why am I putting, why am I placing an importance on my body count? Like yeah, who no. cares? I don't want to know how many partners my man's been with. I don't, because it's not important. No, it really isn't like, and if you're placing any sort of importance on it, to your point, that's really about you. Like what, what are you making that mean? Yeah. Like, what are you making that mean? Yes. Yeah. What do you like most and least about yourself? This is a great question. Mm. Like, is this physically or like energetic or can we take it however we want? I think we can take it however we want. So what I like most about myself is my energy. Yeah. You have great energy. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I agree. Thank you. At least, um, I think when I, I think I can be like, it's like a combination of like, stubborn, bossy, controlling, like when I Mm. fall into that place, which is how I used to operate a lot. Like I don't love when I show up in that way. Um, so yeah, Mm. but I don't know. I don't know. There aren't really things that jump out as like, Oh, I don't like this about myself. Mm. Cause like those things that I quote unquote don't like, I'm like, Oh, well then I'm going to work on that. Or I'm going to, you know? Yeah. And Mm. I also don't want to like dis yeah. You know, like I want to own all sides of me and like give the, the, the lesser qualities compassion still. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think what I love the most about myself is I, I have a, I think, I think I have a very loving nature with yes. my friends. Like I just love hard, like yes. in every relationship I like, I am all in, I love you. Yes. I support you. Nurturing, I want to see warm. you shine. Like I'm very nurturing in that way. Um, so that's something that I really love and and appreciate about myself. And then the thing that I least love and appreciate is uh, this is more, this is a little bit newer is this like self-abandonment side where, because I want to be loved so much, I am a little bit too 
what's the word? Like, like apt to put people before yourself almost. Not necessarily that, but it's more like compassionate or too understanding. Whereas I will abandon my intuition or my values and make excuses for someone's shitty ass behavior because I can understand why they did what they did. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Especially in dating situations where like, okay, I hate that you fucking did this and it makes me sick to my stomach, but I can understand why. So therefore maybe I'll forgive you even yes. though I feel like I shouldn't, but I just want you it's to like, love me. Like the self-awareness thing, like it's like Bites you yes. in the ass a little bit. You're like, oh, yes. it's coming from his childhood trauma. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. So that I think is showing up a lot in dating too, but it's also shown up in female relationships where I'm like, I just want you to like me. So even though you treated me like shit, not my newer relationships, this is more like in the past, like I'm still willing to like excuse your shitty ass behavior because I just still want to be friends with you. Yeah. 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 You know? Yep. So I think that's something about myself that I don't love. Star sign. So I am Virgo sun. My birthday's at the end of the month. Actually, my birthday's in 20 days. We're recording this on August 8th. My birthday is August 28th. So I'm expecting a lot of birthday wishes. So (laughs) Virgo sun, Gemini moon, Sagittarius rising for me. And I am pulling up my chart so that uh, I am a Capricorn rising. No, no Capricorn sun. Yeah. Aries rising. Yes. I, I don't know the other ones, but I know you're a Capricorn. As your I'm an Aries one. rising and Aries moon, oh, okay. both things, but I'm, I'm Capricorn, which means I'm super driven, very motivated, bougie and stingy with my emotions, which I don't think is necessarily true. I think I'm super open, but then in relationships, people are like, it takes a lot to get to know you. I'm like, really? <laughs> I feel like I tell you everything. And, um, I don't like very many people. Like yeah. I, I, I do. I definitely know I'm way more introverted I'm learning that I'm like an extroverted introvert Mm. and I do better with smaller groups of people. And I'm very discerning with who I put my energy into friendship wise. Yeah. 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 And Virgos are typically like a bit type A, a bit particular, super organized, can be shy. I'm not shy, but I can be very reserved in like if, if like the vibe is off, yeah. um, apparently Virgos are freaky, which I like is a new thing that I'm like seeing in all these like, like Virgo oh, meme pages. Cool. I'm like, really? Okay. Well, I mean, that, it's okay. <laughs> um, Virgos tend to be very like nurturing and, um, care a lot about the people in their lives, sometimes more than themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like a Virgo week Capricorn sometimes. And Virgos can be like a little judgmental. <laughs> Um, okay. Um, how many, what kind of guy is your type? I think we kind of answered this in like the qualities we're going for, but like, I, I love like a natural alpha, like masculine man. Mm. I like tall men who are athletic, um, driven, successful, ambitious, kind, funny, generous, family oriented, um, men who are like on fire for what they believe their purpose is and their mission is. Um, yeah. I like a man who has like swagger. Like I am highly attracted to men of color for that reason. Like I love sexual chemistry. I love a man who's like really embodied in who he is super confident, self-assured, um, someone who's like dynamic and into art and expressiveness, likes to read into spirituality, like into self-growth, introspective, likes to have deep conversations, very driven in his career, has a great circle of friends, um, multi-passionate and yeah, funny, outgoing, spontaneous, like just, and has love to give, like, that's so attractive to me, but like 
yeah, I like a man with like swagger. That's just yeah. going to like grab my ass when we're in the elevator or something. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that. Um, yeah. So that's that. And uh, you know, yeah. Like all the other things I said before. Yeah. Um, okay. This is a, a good question. We, the men normally say that we look for a woman that can make us feel ad- admiration for her in your position. Does that mean that to feel admiration, your partner must have a higher status. Okay. So to like admire your partner, do they have to be almost like quote unquote better than you or have a higher status? Not at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think so at all. I think you can admire your partner for so many reasons, right. For, and like for things that you, yeah. For things that like maybe qualities they have that you don't, you're like, Oh my gosh, I love that. You like that. Cause that's like yeah. so foreign to me or something or for their accomplishment. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. think that status has to uh, be a part of admiration. No, I think when I think of admiration, I, what, how I'm receiving this is like attraction, like what's attractive. Right. And so for me, it's not necessarily status. However, it is your mission, like your attention and desire to want to grow. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, are you constantly in a place of growth and wanting to be better than you were the next day? Are you looking to achieve more? Like I like an achiever energy, not Mm -hmm. achieving from a place of like lack, but from purpose. And I think when you are someone who's purpose driven, chances are you're going to be successful in your life. So those two things do kind of go hand in hand. So I think sometimes people are like, oh, women are attracted to men with money. Some women, yes, but I think it's more about what the money represents, which is drive and ambition and follow through goal oriented, like provider energy, king energy. And so oftentimes a byproduct of that is someone being quote unquote more successful or making more money. So for me, it's not about the money. It's about what the money represents yep. and the energy that's behind it. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause um, like there's trust fund babies out there that are, that are not motivated at all, but they're millionaires. Like that is not yeah, attractive to no. me at all. Like, I don't want to just spend daddy's money and the yacht every day. Like that's boring to <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> but, um, which dating apps do you recommend or use? Uh, <laughs> this is my amazing. favorite, I would say has been hinge. Yeah. Um, and I have like a love hate relationship with apps because I, one, yeah. I don't want to be like, I, I prefer to meet people like in real life and all that kind of stuff. So I can get a feel of someone's energy, but on the other hand, that like seeing how somebody presents themselves on an app is also, um, I think can be really telling and insightful. Um, but yeah, so, and, and I think that apps have a bit of scarcity energy mm-hmm. behind them. And then instead of just scrolling on Instagram, you're just scrolling on an app and like, no, no, yes, yes. no, no bleh, you know, but I like hinge hinge. What I, I would say is probably my favorite. Um, I've been, I've dabbled a little bit on the league, which is okay. I've, I've had like one really great connection through that. Um, and then for the, like, you know, kinky BDSM type stuff and people who are into those kinds of connections and dynamics, I've, um, enjoyed field F E E L D. Um, though I'm on that one less because it can be a place where there's a lot of people just looking for like hookups and stuff. And, um, so yeah. Yeah, I would, I would, I primarily, I started with Bumble and I didn't know how to use it. (laughs) So when I first started dating, I was like, let me just look. And that was kind of like phase one of like, let me just see what this feels like and what's out there. So I was actually here in California and I downloaded Bumble and I was just like, oh, I was getting excited about the potential of like meeting different men. Mm -hmm. Cause I hadn't like literally even like 
considered it. And I would swipe on these guys. And I didn't realize that once they swiped back, I had to like say something. And I thought they just stayed in like my man bank somewhere and I could like message them later. (laughs) So, um, so I started on Bumble and then I just found like Bumble wasn't interactive as much as I would like. And again, it felt like I was in the do energy and I really want to be with dating. Like I like to be in the receive energy. So what that means for all the men that are listening is like, and this is, I'm generalizing, but alpha women like Lauren and I, like women that like have to make and do a lot of decisions in our business. Like I really appreciate when a man takes the lead and asks me for my phone number, asks me out to dinner, asks me to FaceTime. Like he's taking the initiative to want to progress the relationship forward that feels really good. Like I want to be pursued. Mm -hmm. Right. So what I like about hinge is that it goes, it's bi-directional, right. Whereas Bumble women have to kind of make the first move. And that feels to me like I'm the one pursuing, which yes, there is some pursue energy to it, but yeah. So for me, Hinge has definitely been the place where I've had the most success in terms of like meeting men and and like whatnot. And then more recently say in my downloaded field, the kink app just to see, just because I'm curious about it. And I would echo what you said. It's, it's kind a of like, lot of it's a lot to sift through. Yeah. So I, I don't really go on that app as much. Hinge is definitely the one that I'm on the most. Yeah. So, and I would say too, some tips for, for the men out there mm-hmm. with the dating apps is if you match with somebody, a little bit of chit chat in the app and then ask for their phone number, get ask for her phone number, get out of the app and then set up a time to get on the phone or have a FaceTime. Yes. Because for me, like, I don't want to be spending a ton of time in the app. Cause I don't want to be checking the app all the time. And, so and then like, you know, and so like, and then you're like, Oh, Hey, how was your day? And then three days later, it's like, Oh, my day three days ago was, was good. How was yours? And then the person was yeah. Like, yeah, it's so like, get out of the app fast and then don't, we're not here to be texting pen pals, get <laughs> on a fucking FaceTime, get on a phone call. Like, yeah, I'm getting it. like, we're like, it's annoying. Yeah. It's annoying. Like I'm, I'm I don't have the bandwidth like, for there it. There are two guys that I matched with a few weeks ago who we've been like having the slowest text conversation in the world back and forth that I'm going to just ghost them probably, which I don't really ghost, but like, it's I'm going to let it fizzle because they didn't freaking man up and be like, Hey, can I, let me, can, are you free tomorrow night for a FaceTime? I like, want to because see now you. I'm over it. Yeah. Like it's been too much small talk over yeah. like two weeks. I'm done. Yeah. So get Bookmark like that. a little bit of chit chat in the, in the app, get it out of the app, get onto a FaceTime and then meet in person. Done. I have to say like one of the best app experiences I had was the second date I went on, <laughs> like, and we ended up dating for like five or six months. We like, I, I matched with him on hinge. Like I commented on one of his pictures and, you know, he, like I said something about, I don't know, I commented on one thing and he wrote back, Oh, like, you know, whatever, ask me a question. And then his immediate response to my response was like, which beverage do you want to continue this small talk over coffee, tea or tequila? And I was like, yes, I love this. Like he immediately was like, let's get this off the app. Let's meet in person. Like clearly he liked what he saw in my profile he liked the banter, but it didn't go on for days. It literally happened within the time span of like an hour. So women appreciate pursuer energy. So I would echo everything that Lauren said and just like make the move. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, how to win your hearts. Gosh. I I mean, food, feed me, fuck me and tell me I'm pretty. Ah, Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, like listen to everything we already said, make me feel safe. Yeah. Make me feel safe. Be intentional, connected, a good use your words. Yeah. Show that you've done your own work and you're like, 
in committed to growth and stuff like that. Like be yeah, clear on what you want. I mean, so I think we've things. pretty much like addressed really all of it. Kisser. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> be a great kisser. Be like, just know my love languages. Like it's yeah. so easy to ask someone what their love languages is. And if you don't know, if they don't know, like create the space to do it together yeah. and like, have that be a fun thing that you can explore. Also sidebar for those that are like confused on dating apps, like good questions to ask. There's a game that I love called we're not really strangers. You can get it at target. It's a conversation game. And so if you are struggling to ask better questions on a dating app or build connection, like get that game and then ask one of those questions. Next up, what is a quote successful man in your opinion? Really good question. I think, um, I feel like we kind of, we kind of address this, but I would say like the results that he has created in his life, like, you know, does he have a, a good job or a good career? Like, you know, whether that's a nine to five or his own business, is he, what, what do his relationships look like? Does he have quality relationships in his life? How does he treat other people? Um, yeah. Is he financially stable? And like, does he, like I said, produce results in his life, all that kind of stuff. Is he fulfilled? Because there's a difference between like being successful and having tons of money and a fancy job and all these things and stuff like that and not being happy. Right. So like, is he fulfilled as well? Mm. And yeah. Yeah. I would say someone who's very self-aware, who knows exactly who he is and what he wants, um, you know, is, is driven by that. And, you know, everyone gets to define success for themselves. Right. So my version of success and your version of success might be totally different. So as long as you know what that looks like for you and every single day you're working towards it, like that's super important. Now it doesn't mean that it's going to work for me, right? Like your idea of success and mine might be different, but really for me, yeah, it's a man who's growth oriented, who's on his path, who's investing in his relationships and himself and knows who he is, or even if he's a little confused on who he is, recognizes it and is on the path to figure that out. Yes. Okay. How to overcome dating rejection. Great question. This is a good one. I think you're the best person to answer this because you're disconnected, not disconnected, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I try my best to match energy when I'm dating. And so like, if I feel like I'm showing up more or I'm texting more, I'm calling more, I'm saying like, you know, more words of affirmation or like being like more lovey or something, or I'm putting out more effort then I will scale back to not, not as like in a manipulative way or like playing games way, but I want to match energy so that we're moving at a similar pace. And when I do that, if I'm matching energy, I find that I, there's less disappointment if things don't turn out maybe the way that I had hoped or wanted. Um, And then also like, another thing is like, if someone rejects you, not taking it personally. So, which, which is hard because you're like, well, they literally rejected me. Isn't that personal? But if someone rejects you, like you just might not be what they're looking for. And that's okay. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's totally fine. And so not taking it personally and being like, oh, there's something wrong with me. It's like, no, maybe this person just has a really specific list. And like some of those specifics, I'm not on them and I'm not going to like change myself to like, like to fit somebody else's list. So like, not taking it personally as best as you can and be like, oh, they ghosted me or whatever happened. Well, they must have stuff going on in their life that I'm not aware of, or they must like something on their end is right. like, okay, I'm not going to take it personally. They're doing them and got it. 
I think, I think it, I, I know that rejection is redirection, meaning that like, if this door is closing, it's meant that I'm meant to go in a different direction to a new door. And so I know for me, I had to work through a lot of this when I first started on the apps, because I felt like I was rejecting people. And there was like some mm. people pleasing coming up of like, these are people that are genuinely looking for love and connection. And they saw something in me and it's not, it's a no for me. And so like, how do I say no to somebody without hurting their feelings and respecting the fact that like, this is the process. So number one is knowing that like, um, you rejecting them won't necessarily be the worst thing. Like sometimes I think we have an overinflated view of how great we are (laughs) in terms of how how other people see us. Right. So rejection isn't saying that you're better or worse than that person. So that's number one. And number two is just paying attention to how you've been rejected and what felt good about it and what didn't, and how would you have liked to have been rejected in a way that felt better for you. So if like Mm. somebody ghosted you, how did that feel? And then make an intention to not do that to somebody else. Right. So what would be the best case scenario in terms of how you could let someone know, like, this doesn't feel like a match for me, but I wish you the best. And like, you know, we're all on this dating journey together and it's just part of dating of like, okay, this, like, it's like going into a clothing store. If something doesn't fit, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't mean it's an ugly piece of clothing. It's just not your piece of clothing. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And you put it back on the rack and somebody else is going to love it. It's going to be perfect for them. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Ooh, this is a really good question. How did you know when to break it off versus trying to work through the <laughs> tough parts? So I think for me, like I, it took longer to realize that, like I probably could if I think if we had done therapy, my ex and I sooner, we probably would have, I don't think we would have avoided divorce. Honestly, I think we would have come to that conclusion faster to be perfectly honest. But for me, the big, um, kind of turning point or not, not, I mean, cause I already explained this earlier in this episode, like I came to him and was like, okay, here's the thing. I think I got six months left in me. And here's the only way I'm willing to work on it is with a coach, with a therapist, da, 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 da. And we need to decide on that in the next like two weeks and get to work. And if we don't make significant progress in six months, we need to separate. And why I got so firm and almost like gave an ultimatum is because we had been having the same conversations about the same stuff, like every three to six months. Same. And it was that last time where I kind of like put my foot down in in that example I just told you was literally, we had a, a fight basically where I, I said things to him about how I was feeling and what I needed that I had said many times before. And he was like, Oh, well, you've never said that to me you know, you've never said that this is new information. And I was like, actually, it's very much not new information. And the fact that you are thinking this is new information is really concerning because we clearly are not hearing each other. Mm, And that's not, and that wasn't like it for me, like the straw that broke the camel's back. But that to me was like, oh fuck, like we've been quote unquote working on things and thinking we're making progress, but we're not at all. And we're, we're, doing this circular thing where we keep coming back to the same exact thing over and over and over again. And again, it's like, I, part of it, like how I knew it was time was I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people I really trusted, whether that's like intuitive friends who like, you know, or do like some of the psychic type type stuff. And, and not that they like, were like, Oh, you're meant to be divorced, like nothing like that. But they would ask me questions Mm -hmm. of like, or just say like, Hey, you know, if you don't want to be in this 
anymore. Ooh, emotions. If you don't want to be in this anymore, it's okay. You know? Mm, and so like people that permission. Giving, yeah. Giving me permission to think about what if I'm not in my marriage anymore. And even like my, my therapist, the therapist that we worked with was incredible and never pushed us one way or the other, but he would ask us really great questions to help us, my, my ex and I both uncover what our truth was and what was coming through for us. And then he would ask us like, okay, I want you to just check in with that each day. And if it's consistent each day, like that's going to help you make it's your powerful. decision. Right. And yeah. if it changes, that's okay too. Right. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was like that gut, it was, yes, having other people like me, almost not venting, but me confiding in others and having them be like, here's what I hear you saying. Yeah. Like is that accurate? And then yeah. me being like, yeah, I think it is, but I'm just scared to admit yeah. it. You know, I'm scared to put the D word divorce to it. You know, I'm yeah. scared to admit failure, quote unquote, you know, and, and mm. all that. And so, so yeah, it was like a gut knowing, but then I also, it took a lot for me to actually accept that. Cause I didn't want that to be the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for me, it was a couple of things similarly to you. Like we'd had the same conversation, like every six months, like yep. we'd have this conversation. It would be, you know, five or six hours long. There'd be a lot yep. of crying and a lot of like new, like new stuff would come out or new revelations and agreements and okay, yes, we're committed to this. And, you know, action would be taken for like a month or two. And then it would slowly, slowly start to get back to where it was before. And then, you know, the pendulum would swing the other way and we would start to distance ourselves and have resentment and then little fights would turn into bigger fights. And then we would have a big blow up. Right. Yep. And so after doing that for two years in the midst of that, I knew for me that it was time or that we were getting closer to the end when I started to imagine my life without him in it. Mm, and I started yeah. to imagine what it would be like to be in a relationship with someone who yes. was like this yes. or was like that. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. Cause I'm not imagining it being him. I'm imagining yeah. it being someone else. And I, you know, I was like, I was guilting myself around that. Like I felt some shame of like, this is wrong. But then I also was like, well, that's interesting. And I had a lot of curiosity around it. So just realizing like, Hey, in my body, something's off. This feels out of alignment. Like this doesn't feel like a match for me anymore, but my ego and my level of commitment and my desire to want to make sure that I am like 110% without a doubt checked every single box. Like this is a yes. Like that's like, I always like to triple check everything. And then this might be going back to like what I was saying before about one of the qualities that I don't love about myself so much is just like, I am learning to trust when I feel something in my body that I don't need proof in the mm, physical world. Yes that if it feels this way, it's for a reason, but I will be like, well, wait, send me 15 signs. Like, you know, those yeah. Instagram memes are like, we've sent you 50 signs. And can you send me one more? Um, so I hired a coach and, um, I did a call with her and on the call, she was like, okay, you have three options. Option one is you do nothing and you continue, like you continue to focus on your path, let him be where he is. And hopefully you know, over time things will start to shift, but like, it's a long road and you're going to be exhausted. And like, it may never work out. Yeah. That's option one, which is pretty much what I was doing. Option two was you leave the relationship. And then option three was you have a conversation with him, tell him what your wants and needs are, invite him into coming to therapy with you and see what he says. And I was like, well, option one feels like 
terrible to me. Like, no option two also feels like a no, because I don't feel like I've overturned every stone option three feels like the logical next step. So Mm -hmm. I came home, I had the conversation with him. This was right around the six month mark before we ended our marriage. And I laid out my values. I laid out my non-negotiables. I laid out an invitation. And then I had to sit and not participate in his experience. Right. I, I had to, cause in the past it'd be like, Hey, did you hire a therapist? Do you need help finding a coach? Like, you know, I would constantly check in on the agreements that he said he would do. So this time around, I had to not do any of that. Yeah. So I had to like, just sit and observe and see, is he going to be a man of his word? Is he really going to fall through? And he didn't. So at that point I had my information, there was all the proof. Right. And so that's when I ultimately decided. So, yeah, I think for me, it was like right around two years prior, but I felt like I needed to like check all those boxes first. Are you an entrepreneur looking to elevate your authority? Do you want to be known as the go-to expert in your industry, even more than you already are to reach celebrity status and get your message out to even more people around the world? Have you been considering public relations, but you just haven't found the right agency to work with, or maybe you haven't seen the results that you were hoping for. I get it. Working with a PR agency can be expensive and sometimes you don't get the results. At Influence and Impact, we've worked with some of the biggest heart-centered entrepreneurs in the game, helping them to land major media coverage, top podcast interviews, speaking gigs, and collaborate with influencers who are excited to share their message with their audience. We would love to support you in getting your message out into the world in an even bigger way so that you can make an even bigger impact. You deserve it and the world needs more of you. To learn more about Influence and Impact's PR and Influencer Marketing Services, please visit laurensalon.com. So this is, we got a little spicy one. Mm. Did you first try to find out if somebody has had the vaccine or shit, are we going to get like censored for that? I'm probably not. I don't know. Um, or if this mindset, like a, a similar mindset on it before proceeding, so this is, this is a tricky one because I like, so for those who like, listen, like I'm, I've chosen not to get the vaccine currently. Um, I don't, you know, that's where I'm at right now. And, Same. and so for me, it's, it's weird because I think a couple months ago, if somebody had had it, it would have been an automatic no for me. And I'm not at that place right now. Like it's not a deal breaker for me if somebody else has had it. And what I will say, if I'm on a dating app and somebody is that's in their app, it's, I, I go, no, not because I'm like, oh, you've had it. It's a no, because that's private information. And I don't think that's, that's weird to share, I think. Mm. And so the fact if, if, when people are like waving it as this like moral badge of honor and this like virtue signaling thing, that is nothing I'm interested in. And I also, again, think that's private information and that should be a conversation, not on your freaking social media profile or your dating profile. Um, and I also, if I were to date somebody who has had it, I would want to ask them like, okay, why did you get it? Like all this kind of stuff. And if they did it from a place of disempowerment, like, oh, well, my job forced me to, 
then bro, you're not owning your power. And like, that's not, you're not being an alpha man. And that's, that isn't, it's not necessarily about the vaccine. It's about you not standing in your power and making your own decisions for yourself. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I echo all of that. If somebody puts it on their dating profile, that's a no for me. Like I just, Yeah. yeah, immediately no immediately now. Um, but yeah, I would want to have a deeper conversation into like the context of the why behind it. So it's more for me, the decision-making process of why, and then being able to make a decision from there. But where I stand right now in my body today, it's, I'm leaning it towards it being a no. Um, I'm not comfortable with, I don't, I feel like I don't have enough information to really make a decision whether or not I'm comfortable. So therefore my decision is no until I have more information, but you know, it is a tricky thing. It's like the same, it's like politics, right? Like being in a relationship with one person who's on one side of the fence and you're on the other, like, can you agree to disagree and respect their point of view, even though it's not your point of view? And I think this, this is like a greater sort of, um, issue in relationships of like, we don't have to agree on the same things and we don't have to necessarily have the same worldview. It's more in how we relate to one another and respect each other's position and not try to force the other person into our same thing. And I'll say this too, with like, like if, you know, living in LA and using dating apps in LA, you can imagine, um, you know, some of the consistencies we see there, I, I see there, but like a, a similar thing would be if somebody has in there, like there there's like hinge has a question or prompt. That's like, let's make sure we're on the same page as, or like, yeah, don't match with me if like that sort of thing. And there's so many people be like, if you voted for Trump, fuck you pass sort of right. thing. And, and I will automatically pass on anybody anyway. who has those kinds of really polarizing political things, even like uh, sometimes, even if I agree with them and, and I'm not saying this as like a Trumper or I'm not like running around with fucking MAGA and shit, but like, if you feel so strongly mm. about people who think differently from you and you're tr- that triggered by somebody who thinks differently f- than you, then that you feel the need to put it as one of the like limited questions in your dating profile. That's not the kind of like, like open mindset that I want to be connected to and right. interacting with, you right. know? And so, so yeah, so it's that kind of like, yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. I'm like, if that's how strongly you feel about it, like, I don't really, you probably are difficult to have conversations. You're probably really stuck in how you think and that kind of stuff. And no, no thank yeah. you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. Next question. How frequently do you get tested when you're not in a monogamous sex life sitch? Great question because safety is important. Um, so I will say like, I, yeah, for the last year and a half have not been dating people exclusively. I've typically been dating multiple people at one time. Um, and often I have multiple sexual partners at one time and, um, I use protection, um, so I, I use condoms. I'm not on any form of birth control or anything like that, but I, um, so for me, um, I get tested every like two to three months. I go and get tested. And I also, if I have sex with somebody without protection, so if I have unprotected sex, no condoms, that sort of thing, I make sure to get tested pretty immediately, um, especially before having sex with somebody else. Yeah. I would say this is a fairly newer conversation for me because I'm a little bit more of like a monogamous dater and a little bit more monogamous when it comes to my sexual partners. But every time 
I like to your point, if I'm going to be having sex with someone that I'm not using protection, I always make sure I get tested first. And then pretty much like every month within that, if we're not clear that we're exclusive, right. Um, obviously it's subject to the conversation that you have with the person it's different, but anytime I'm going to also be entertaining a sexual relationship with someone new, I will get tested ahead of time just so that I can show them. It's really less about me and more about being like, Hey, I'm curious and taking this relationship a little bit further. Here are my results. Let's see yours. That feels sexy to me. Okay, great. Yeah. And I, like, I, will only have sex without condoms if I'm dating just that person. person. If I'm only seeing them, that's the only time that happens. Otherwise it's condoms with everybody, no matter what, even though I do not like using them at all, (laughs) especially after 10 years of being in a, in a relationship with the same person, you know, um, it's, it's not fun to like go quote unquote backwards and start using them again. But, but yeah, as long, unless I'm dating somebody exclusively condoms and tested every like you know, every other month, every, you know, three months is kind of the max that I would go. Um, what were some things you did to regain confidence? I think after ending our relationships is the the question. I mean, Mm. I did a lot of like internal healing work. Um, I continued working with a therapist and stuff. I did plant medicine, which really helped with a lot of the healing and everything. Um, so like personally, ayahuasca, some, um, mushrooms, that kind of stuff. Um, And something that you said, Melissa, earlier um, is noticing, like playing with the feelings of loneliness and noticing that because I definitely got to experience feeling alone and feeling lonely and got to then uh, feel comfortable in that space, even though it doesn't, it's not a comfortable space to be in, but started feeling okay with my loneliness because there was uh, definitely like in the beginning, when I first became single, there was a lot of that, like, oh, well, I just want, I, I need attention. I need that fix. I need somebody to want me and love, love me and nurture and take care of me. And da, da, da. like, you wanted that like influx of incoming attention and stuff. And so I wanted that a lot. And then I started realizing, oh, I'm wanting this because I'm feeling lonely or I'm feeling insecure. Or I'm feeling like I need attention and love yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, and so, being super self-aware, continuing to do the inner work. And then also like interrupting those patterns when I would, you know, go to text somebody because I needed a little like uh, confidence boost, or I was feeling insecure. I would try and interrupt myself with that and be like, wait, am I texting this guy? Because I, w- I need a little ego boost and I want to feel better about my self-esteem. Like if that's the case or, or, or am I texting him because I actually want to connect with him? Mm, and if it was more okay. about me needing some validation, then I'd be like, all right, text one of your girlfriends. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, don't yeah. text the boy, Voice text one mommy. of your friends. <laughs> yeah. Text one of your friends, you know? Yeah. And so catching, like being really self-aware and then catching those, those patterns and inter- interrupting them. Yeah. I would echo all of that. And I would say for me, it's really about noticing where my edges are. Right. So number one was just doing the inner work, like a lot of journaling, a lot of meditating, um, seeking out resources and podcasts, coaches, educators on in relationships. Right. So if you look at my explore page right now, it's like one part, you know, relationship memes, one part Beyonce videos and like one part Capricorn memes. (laughs) It's just like what (laughs) what my, um, 
my explore feed looks like on Instagram. Cause those are the things that, you know, I, I look at the most, but, um, yeah, so definitely seeking out mentorship and support in those areas. And then second was really just as I'm dating and having conversations with men or just different experiences, noticing when things come up that make me feel uncomfortable, that's an edge for me. And then leaning into that a little bit more. So a big one is just using my voice and saying, Hey, I like this, or I don't like this, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, little things like right down to like, if we're going out to dinner and a man asks me, would you rather sit inside or outside? And like in my gut, I'm like, I want to say outside. I'm like, Oh, whatever you want. And I'm hoping he says outside, like, no, just use your voice and say outside. Like it's the awareness of this is an edge and like kind of leaning into that a little bit more, um, definitely builds more confidence, you know? And I think I had this experience in the bedroom with one of the men that I was dating more recently, where he did such a great job of creating a space for me to use my voice and talk about stuff that felt uncomfortable. And I would say, this feels uncomfortable. And he would ask, how can I make this more comfortable for you? You know, so having a partner that's aware in that way has helped me to feel in newer relationships or newer experiences, more confident to use my voice. Cause I've kind of gotten past that edge. Right. So I think yeah. that every time you come to an edge and you, you can even verbalize in that experience, like this feels uncomfortable for me and I'm committed to growth. Like this is a commitment that I made when I started dating was that I wanted to grow through some of these things. So me sharing this even feels uncomfortable. Once you do that, the next time it comes up, it's not going to feel as scary, right? Yeah. So you just keep pushing the bar back a little bit further and a little bit yep. further, and then it it just feels easy. Yes, I love that. How did you get past the name smearing that can follow? So after your breakup, so mm. this so, so this is this is one actually that that I can resonate with a lot, not because name smearing happened, but because I felt like the bad guy in my uh, divorce. Um, so I had been the one in our relationship who was typically the one that was unfulfilled. And I'm the one saying like, Hey, I'm not happy. Hey, I'm still not happy. Hey, you know, so I felt like the bad guy. I also did things in my marriage that I'm not proud of. And I, and I could have done differently. So things that caused pain and, and trauma and stuff like that. So again, feeling like I'm the bad guy and stuff. And then because it was more my decision for us to split up, um, again, felt like the bad guy. And, and there was no name smearing. Like my in-laws are wonderful. I, I love, loved and love them in, uh, immensely. You know, they were, I had great in-laws. Um, so there was no name smearing, but I was scared of, and this is my people pleaser stuff coming up. I was scared of like, well, what are they going to think about me? Do they hate me now? And, da, 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 da. and what if I see them like, you know, cause we all like most of us live in LA and stuff. And so what if I run into them and oh my gosh, it'd be so awkward. And do they hate me? Will they say hi to me? Or they like ignore me like that kind of stuff. And so part of it for me was like, again, same thing with, with the, how I answered, like how to deal with rejection, realizing like other people's actions and how they're going to take it is about their experience mm-hmm. of it and how mm-hmm. they're, what the meaning yes. they're making out of the situation. Um, and so, yes, maybe like your actions have contributed to that, but, um, separating yourself from how somebody else acts and realizing that they're their own person and they're going to act in the way that you know, that they're going to do. And it, it's not about you. Mm. Um, and, and also like, again, thankfully, like I had such a beautiful 
uh, divorce process with my ex-husband so that I could say like, Hey, I'm really, I'm having a lot of anxiety around like your family. Like, do they hate me? Like all this kind of stuff. And he's like, no, like, of course they're upset and they're mad and like you're sad and all this kind of stuff, but no, of course they don't hate you. You know? So I was able to also get some reassurance from my ex as well. Um, which, which was helpful for me. Mm. Yeah. So for me, it was a little bit different because I moved across the country prior to getting a divorce. Um, the plan was that we were supposed to go together. I came out to California first. I was going to get us established and then realized in that process, like, this is a no, like, I don't want him to come out here with me. And I had to go back for the holidays and stuff. And then it was after that, that we both came to the decision that like, okay, we're going to navigate out of this. And I think one of the things that was really helpful was that he was an advocate for me, mm. right? Like he, he owned his part in it. And he went back to his family and said that this is not her fault. This is on me. Like we both made this decision. Like, you know, she's not to be shamed in this. Like he kind of defended me in the eyes of his family, but from their perspective, it was like, I just like picked up and left. Right. Because there wasn't a whole lot of communication about the going ons behind the scenes of what was going on in our relationship. So for a lot of people, it kind of came as a shock and a surprise, yeah, right? Yep, because I think that's, you know, there same. weren't these like knockdown drag out fights. There wasn't a whole, I mean, there was drama, but it wasn't like yeah, people weren't involved in it. Like, right. Oh, we kept it private. Perfect right. Relationship. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's also a perfect example of like what you see online and you never know what's going on behind closed doors. So never feel guilty or jealous of somebody else's relationship that you don't have when you have no idea, like what's going on behind there behind them. So I didn't really have the experience of name calling or shaming. I don't actually know. I've never heard from or spoken to anyone in his family since the day I left, uh, after Christmas yeah. before he told them that I was never coming back. So like, I don't know. I don't know. They could have shamed my name and I would literally have no idea. But I do know in the conversations that him and I had that he said, I want you to know that I've got your back and, you know, like you are not at fault in this. And, you know, my, if my family has questions, like I've made it very clear. And so that was, I, I really appreciated that. And I think part of it speaks to the way in which we handled our divorce yeah. and the consciousness that we had around it. Right. And then for me personally, it took me a really long time to kind of go person by person and share my experience. Like I, I, I'm a public figure as you are, you know, he and I built a business together, but I hadn't been like sharing a whole lot about our relationship on social media for a while. So there was like this slow transition. Right. And when I was out in California, people had asked like, is he coming? Like, what's the plan? And I just was kind of dodged the questions mm -hmm. and I had to really sit with the healing part first. And it wasn't until like April or May, I think I actually came out on my podcast about it as you did, but I did it from an empowered place where I was really respectful to his experience and my experience. And so that was a really healing moment for me to kind of like let the cat out of the bag, but I had done the work I needed to do to heal. And so I think where a lot of people struggle is that they emotionally react and they spew their you know, experience online without having done the work first. And yeah. it's not coming from like a rooted place. So it's yeah. easy to get like, you know, the hate from it because there's judgment. Absolutely. All right. I've got one more question. I don't know if more have come through. I think a few have. Okay. So another question, what new things, if any, did you both discover or rediscover <laughs> about yourselves now that you're dating? Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
I like it rough. I'm just oh kidding. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> things that I discovered or rediscovered, I think I realized even more how important like a very strong sexual connection mm-hmm. is for me. Um, and then, and again, that's not like the most important thing, right? Like, and, and sex is one of those things that can like fade and shift and evolve and change over time. Right. So it can't, your relationship shouldn't be all about sex, just like it shouldn't be all about any other one thing. Um, but for me, one of those things that I discovered, rediscovered is how important, like a very strong sexual connection is, um, other things I discovered or rediscovered is that I really like as much of an alpha as I am in my own life. And as much of an independent, dominant, like powerful woman I am, I want to be with a man who is even more of an alpha than me. Like, I do not want to be the alpha in the relationship. I do not want to be the leader. Yes. I want to be seen as an equal, as a partner and all that kind of stuff and, and be respected and have my opinion and perspectives, um, considered of course. And, and I don't, and, and I want to be like, I'm, I'm happy in a more like submissive role in my relationships. And I want a man who isn't afraid to take the lead and yeah. And to be like the alpha, like in his, in his power, um, in a relationship. So that was one of the, the big things for me too. Um, and then I guess like other things discovered, like is like, I've really gone deeper into like kink and BDSM and stuff like that. And, and while like, that's not the only kind of sex that I enjoy having, um, I, I have explored a lot of kind of crazy freaky things, which have been super fun. So that's been a, um, a fun experience and process as well. But, But yeah, so those are, those are some of the things. And, and I think too, rediscovering my own voice and what I want, what I don't want, getting really clear on that and then getting really, um, firm in my own boundaries and what I will tolerate. And, and when it's a no, like, yeah. And so like, I've, those, those are, those are some of mine. Yeah. I, I would say for me, I'm really, really discovering and seeing how quickly I will self-abandon in the sake of like being loved by somebody or wanting attention. Like that's definitely something that I'm really becoming hyper aware of. Um, also I will echo what you said. Um, something that I'm really, really intentionally working on right now is just staying in my feminine and being open to receive. And so like in this process of dating, like I'm realizing I really, love it. And also am navigating through feelings of like guilt or I don't know, not shame, but like guilt or like an uneasy feeling around being cared for. Mm -hmm. And mostly that shows up with money. So like being like men paying for dates and like booking vacations for us or like paying for my flights places. Like I almost feel like, you know, I should be the one doing it. And so it's like really allowing the men in my life to care for me and to provide for me. And I was actually having this conversation with one of the men that I'm dating right now about like the energy, the, the nuances between the energy of receiving versus relying. Mm, And like, I never want to be in the energy where I feel like I have to rely on someone. And I think I'm mistaking that for being in the energy of just receiving support or love or money or like attention or whatever it is. So for me, that's something that I'm really like discovering big time and like allowing that. Um, another thing is like, just like I was saying earlier of like knowing when to cut things off sooner so that it's, I'm not like exploring how red this flag can get, (laughs) um, really just like trusting my intuition. And then 
from a sexual perspective, like I'm really discovering how much more of a sexual being I am when I feel safe, when I feel supported and when I feel led. So like diving in a little bit more into the nuances of that, like, you know, kink world, like not so much kink and BDSM, but it's more the nuances of like dominant versus submissive. So kind of like what you were saying before, Yeah. yeah. Of like a man who leads from a dominant place and allows me to be submissive in a way that I can just be fully open to receive. So Mm -hmm. it's like this, these, these nuances of like people pleasing, receiving and submissiveness and submissive, like not in the sense of like not having a voice, not having a word, like submissive, meaning like I'm open to receive. So yeah, those would be the things I think that I'm I'm learning the most. Okay. I have some more questions here that we yeah. can answer. Okay. So what has been the hardest thing about jumping back into the dating world? Um, I think for me, it's, uh, one, I'd never dated before, um, to that feeling of rejection, like navigating, like, what if I get rejected? What if I'm not good enough? Um, three, matching energy for sure. Like noticing, like if I'm being like overly needy, the slow response time, like men, not like noticing where I'm being the one pursuing and not being pursued. Um, and then just like the fear of getting your heart broken. Yeah. Like I, I, like I am someone who develops feelings very quickly. And when that's not reciprocated, like noticing if I'm abandoning myself or like being really hurt, like this past gosh, it's been eight months now. We're in August, which is wild to me. Like I've had two really significant dating experiences that have been super hard to, to navigate. Um, so, you know, like knowing that, um, you knowing that I'm going to have those experiences where everything's not going to pan out and just to be patient. And, um, also like just on that note of like knowing that, you know, like you were saying before Lauren about like being lonely, like now I've gone a whole year without having any attention from men. And now that I have it, like the, I, the, that noticing those nuances of like, when I'm being a little bit needy and cause I just want attention cause I've yeah, had it yeah, now. Yeah, and yeah. like, I just want that. So I think for me, those have been some of the more challenging things about jumping back in. Yeah. One of the, some for me have been like, yes, initially it was like, Oh, do I want this for a tension right now? Is this about what me and what I need or actually about the connection here? And I think, yeah, there is for me some fear sometimes around getting hurt and heartbreak and stuff. And, and sometimes I have that like, you know, ego voice pops up and is like, well, you picked wrong the first time. So Mm, careful, don't commit to anybody because what if you pick wrong again, sort of thing, which again, when I say that, that's like the ego speaking. I don't actually believe that, that, that I picked wrong. Right. I think everything, you know, I think I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and have had the life experience I'm supposed to have up until this point, including my marriage with my ex and my divorce with my ex and all that. So it wasn't wrong. It was part of my journey, but there is that like, oh, well, don't commit to somebody. Don't be exclusive because what if they're the wrong one? So like Mm. test everybody test all like, you know, more options, more options to work with. So that's, that's one of the things that's been challenging for me. And then also just like, uh, becoming single when the world is shut down and you can only, and like LA was like, you couldn't like people weren't anywhere. And so going right into dating apps, like that that was, and you're so extroverted that like, yeah, yeah. like, Oh, I don't want to spend more time. Okay. How do you navigate expectations in the bedroom and life with a suitor? 
conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I think having like one, again, first knowing what your expert, uh, expectations are, what you need, what you want, what you don't want, all that kind of stuff. And then having clear, transparent, super honest conversations with yeah. them. So you can be on the same page. I agree. And I think this comes back to the question that we were talking about with the edges. So like with one of the men that I was dating early on, like it was, I hadn't had sex in over a year, like well over a year and my sexual experience in my marriage wasn't great. And so an edge for me was using my voice and saying, Hey, you know what? I'm not really feeling fulfilled and here's why. So I think the most important thing when it comes to expectations, that word is not shaming the other person for your experience. Be like, Hey, this really fucking sucked. I hate it it. Right. Like, or when you did this, like it made, well, that's not necessarily the right way to toward it, but I think it's really important, especially when it comes to the bedroom is a lot of acknowledgement, a lot of praise, a lot of like positive talk layered in with what would be better next time versus mm-hmm. like, I didn't like this, yeah. you know, like negative talk and shame. Um, and so like using your voice and also like, uh, not having that conversation in the bedroom, like picking a yeah. neutral space, like doing it out in the living room, setting aside intentional time, um, so that you both can be, can both be present. Do you like younger guys? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> no. Like I, I have never dated a guy younger than me. Um, I rarely date guys who are exactly the same age as me. Um, I, I will be 35 at the end of the month. I actually am currently dating somebody who is 35, which is in, like, but see, like, I, which surprises me because like his energy yeah. does not feel, and, and not it's to an say there's anything thing. wrong yeah. with that, but like, I, have always been so in school and stuff like that. I was like young for my class, if you will, but I've always been an old soul. I've always been more mature. I've always been very uh, like, you know, a go-getter and uh, have accomplished a lot and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to be real. Like, I'm sorry, but like men sometimes like mature slower than women. And so men who are my age are not typically what I am looking for and aren't, don't have the life experience or, whatever it is that I want. Um, Mm. and so, yeah, so it's not like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say like, Oh, never, I would never sort of thing, but also like, I'm, I'm not like my apps are set for men older than me. Like I'm not, I'm not looking for men who are younger than me and, Mm. and frankly, like not really interested in that. Mm. I'm 41. So I'm definitely more, I think I, and most of the men that I've dated have been like a few years younger than me. Um, which could be something for me to explore. Uh, but like, I would say like 38 to 39 to like 40 mid forties ish is kind of my range. Like it's a, if it's a couple years off, like I'm okay with that. I think there's also a big difference between like 38 and 28 or 38 and 32. Right. So like for me, it's a little bit different because I'm older. Right. But, um, yeah, so I wouldn't be closed off to it. I think it's, again, it's goes more back to, does he fit the boxes of like, you know, purpose-driven a little bit more established. Is he in a place right now where he wants an intentional relationship or is he still in like fuck boy phase? Like, you know, exactly. Um, okay. When you have multiple people in your match log, how do you prioritize? So this is, I have, this is me right now. I actually have multiple people in my match log. And, um, I think how I prioritize is like checking in with my body of like, if they've been in my match log for a while and I haven't reached out to them, like, what is the reason behind it? Like, what's the why? And then secondly, like if 
like if you had to cross off the list and bring it down to just three people, who would you, who would you pick? Yeah. That, I mean, with anything, like if you were to make a list of 10 things you want to do today, and then you had to cross five of them off and then three more, you're going to get down to the top two that mean the most. To you. Yeah. I would say like, who gives like, what energy are you feeling? Like, I, I mean, I check in with my gut, um, who's showing up and being proactive and intentional, like, you know, who's showing that they're interested. Um, yeah, that's how I do it. And then like, yeah, cause I'm not, I'm not again, it's not like, I'm like, oh, I matched with one person. I'm going to pause the apps. Nah, like, let's see who, right. let's, let's see who rises to the front of the race. Hey, <laughs> okay. Last question for, for me is, have you ever had internal feelings for someone you did not date, but was associated with? So basically like, have I ever had a crush <laughs> is basically what I'm feeling like but associated with like what, just like who, you know, or who you're like a friend. To? Well, I, I guess it depends on how you you we're, we're not dating, but we're associated. So is that, I guess that the like way friends with benefits thing, but see, I would put friends with benefits under the dating category. Like to oh, me, if there's yeah. intimacy, we're dating. Well, no, I disagree. I don't think friends with benefits means dating. I think that means friends with benefits. What's the difference? Uh, for me, friends with benefits is, um, I like you as a human. We have a connection here. You know, there, there's the way I do friends with benefits. There's clear communication and clear expectations. And for me, friends with benefits is explicitly, I don't want to date you. Like I don't see a long-term yeah. potential for me, but we have good chemistry. Benefits, yeah. Friends with I benefits okay. is I, we have good chemistry. I respect you. I want to spend time with you. I, and for me, friends with benefits means there's a friendship there. I'm, mm. You know, I'm not, you know, yeah, okay. I want to actually have a friendship but I don't see more than friendship and sexy time. We have great chemistry, yeah. but I don't see a future with you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And dating is like, I want to see if there's a potential. Yeah. Like, so have you ever had internal feelings for someone you did not date, but was associated with? So are you receiving that as like, have you ever caught feelings for someone that was friends with benefits? I, that's kind of how I'm reading that. Um, I, I probably have nothing's like coming to mind right now, really like in the near past for that. But, um, but yeah, but, and in those situations, if there's been like an established, uh, like established expectations of what the relationship or what the dynamic is going to look like. And if somebody, if that starts to change for somebody and someone wants more, I think you have, you have to have a conversation Conversation, quickly, you know? Yeah. I, I haven't really had that experience until recently. Um, Prior to that, I don't know, like in college or my earlier twenties, like I would have even had the, the skill set or understanding to be able to like really navigate between friends with benefits versus catching feelings. I'm just the kind of person that catches feelings anyway, but today in this situ, in this current container, um, I have had experiences with people that are friends that I don't see a long-term potential with. And we have been intimate, but kind of going back to my earlier point around the intimacy thing, it doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't feel as expansive or even as fun or exciting or something that I would want to pursue because there isn't that deeper connection. Right. So for me, I think what I'm learning with my sexuality is the sex that feels the most exciting for me is sex with somebody where I feel like I have a deeper connection and I see a potential and there's a lot more intimacy versus just having sex for the sake of having sex, because that I feel I can get on my own. Yeah. Like, well, and, and yeah, and that's where like, for me last year in 2020, I was like, 
yeah, friends with benefits and like more casual dating, but no yeah. exclusivity. Whereas this year, because I'm very clear that I'm ready for the real thing and like ready for the, you know, big King energy to come on in, I am not available for friends with benefits types of situations. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think we hit, I think we questions. hit all ta- the questions like talking for like two, two hours, hours. Maybe I'm pretty sure this is a juicy one. So. Yeah. I love this. Thank you guys yeah. so much for these questions. They Amazing were awesome. Questions. I loved this. We will have to do this again. So thank you everybody for all those amazing questions. Please, 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 if you found this episode valuable, screenshot it, throw it up into your IG stories, tag Melissa and myself. Um, Yeah, this was amazing. We love you guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode and if you know of somebody else who is bold, successful, and unapologetically owning their unique magic while they make a big impact in the world, please send them my way. And it would also mean the world to me if you help me get this message out to as many listeners as possible. So if you liked what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you would please take 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share this episode with your friends. Be sure to tag me so that I can say thank you. And until the next episode, keep showing up, keep using your voice, and keep being you. Because the world needs more of your magic.